This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings today are interesting ones. They're strange and puzzling. They have to do, I think, with the Christian attitude toward the body. It's a theme we probably don't talk about enough, but it is all through the Bible. And the readings today are especially good, I think, at naming this very distinctive biblical understanding of the body. I think the biblical position is really midway between, or if you will, beyond, two great extremes. The one extreme is called hedonism, or materialism, the view that the body and its pleasures are everything. They're the ultimate horizon of my life, that I, I give pleasure to my body, that I, I cherish my body, I cling to its values, and so on. That's hedonism, materialism. The other extreme, and you'll find it all over the history of religion and philosophy, the other extreme is a kind of dualism or puritanism that basically says the body is a problem. The real spiritual importance is found in the soul or in the mind, and the body is a bit like a prison or it's an obstacle to spiritual progress. You'll find this in Plato, you'll find it in, in the Manichaeans, you'll find it in all forms of Puritanism. And, you know, I bet we can each recognize these extremes in ourselves. Often as we move through our spiritual lives, we go back and forth between these two extremes. Sometimes I'm very hedonistic, very materialistic, very focused on my body. Other times I'm kind of ashamed of it, or I, I wish it would go away, or I'm trying to escape from it. The biblical view is neither hedonistic nor puritanical. It's a stance of what I'm going to call eschatological detachment. And I'll try to explain what I mean in terms of these two readings. Our first reading is taken from the second book of Maccabees. I've often recommended to people just starting with Bible study, read the books of the Maccabees. They're very adventurous, very entertaining. They deal with the period when Palestine was occupied by Greeks. And the Greeks were imposing their religion, their culture, their practices on the Jews. This, of course, did not sit well with the Jews, and they, were, uh, they organized rebellions against the Greeks. The rebellions were led by the Maccabees, and so the books uh, detail that period. What we find, of course, during the occupation are what we find during all oppressive occupations. The people being forced to do things against their will. Stories of cowardice and stories of great courage. Our reading for today is from 2 Maccabees, and it's the most dramatic account, I think, of this courageous resistance to the Greeks. Listen a little bit to this story. It happened that seven brothers with their mother were arrested and tortured with whips and scourges by the king to force them to eat pork in violation of God's law. One of the brothers, speaking for the others, said, 
What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. Well, there it is, the seven brothers. Tragically now, they're arrested, and in the presence of their mother, one by one, they are tortured to force them to eat pork. But they don't give in. And one by one, these seven brothers are killed. And then finally, the mother herself is killed. And the story goes on to recount their kind of defiant, heroic speeches in the face of their oppressors. Now, what do we derive from this story? Well, first of all, it becomes very clear that for biblical people, materialism and hedonism is not the right attitude toward the body. If these people felt for one minute that the body and its pleasures and its goods were the ultimate value, well, this makes no sense. This makes no sense. I mean, you'd go along with your oppressors at least to save your own life. But these heroic martyrs are willing to hand over their bodies to be tortured and killed. That means they are not clinging to their bodies as the ultimate value. Think of the whole history of martyrdom, now up and down the biblical tradition and into the Christian tradition. Martyrs make sense from Stephen to Maximilian Kolbe only if this principle is true, that the body is not everything. Remember Jesus' line? Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and do nothing else. I've always felt that last line is the, is the uh, key to it. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and do nothing else. In other words, the death of the body is not everything. There is a dimension of life beyond it, and therefore we don't cling to it. Okay, so you say that's pretty clear. Christians are not hedonists. They're not materialists. But how do we know this is not just dualism or Platonism? Let's just escape from the body. Well, listen to the tone of what these martyrs say in the book of Maccabees. One of the brothers says, as he holds his hands out, as the torturer is going to cut his hands off, he says this, It was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of his laws, I disdain them. Now listen, from him I hope to receive them again. Now we're in a very interesting world. Yes, I'm allowing you to cut off my hands. I'm allowing you to kill my body. Why now? Because God's laws are more important. Okay, the body is not everything. But then he adds, from God, I hope to receive them again. This is not a man who is longing to escape from the body. This is a man who is longing to receive his body again but now in a transformed, transfigured way. Handing himself over, yes, in the hopes of a resurrection and a restoration of his body through the life and the grace of God. You see why I said the biblical stance is one of eschatological detachment. I mean, we can be detached from these bodies because we know we know that in heaven, in the next dimension, we will receive even greater, even richer, and even finer bodies.
I think that's the biblical attitude. Now, you can also see it, Christians, in the gospel. And the gospel is a very interesting parallel to this story. In the gospel, Jesus confronts the Sadducees. They were a party of Jews in Jesus' time who denied the resurrection. They believed that we should be good in this life and follow God's laws, but they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they proposed to Jesus this little conundrum. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And likewise, all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Well, it's an interesting little conundrum, isn't it? If the brothers are all obliged to, uh, to marry, to uh, make up for their brother who had died, and now she marries a series of seven brothers. Okay, at the resurrection, whose wife is she? Notice how Jesus deals with this little conundrum. He brushes it aside. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry. But those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels. Now, what's he saying here as he brushes aside this little bit of casuistry? What is heaven? Is it an escape from the body? No, that's not it. That's not a biblical view. Heaven is a place listen now, where our bodiliness will be so rich and so intense that we will be able to relate to all those around us in the most intimate, powerful, and rich way possible. The body is a kind of means of communication. Right now, I'm communicating to you through my body, through my vocal cords and my tongue and my mouth and so on. If I'm with you uh, personally, I'll communicate with you through you know, my hands and my physical presence. The body is a means of, of communication. In this world, with the limitations of this particular body that I have, I can communicate only with a, a few people at a time. And listen now, I can communicate at the deepest and most intense level with really only one person. That's why we talk about marriage. It's a commitment of one person to one person. It's possible given the restrictions of this world. But now, but now, imagine what the bodily life of heaven is like. Now, Jesus is telling us, we have a body, a means of communication that is so intense and so powerful and so rich that we can be in very intense relationship with everyone who's gathered around the throne of God. It's not that we're less bodily. In a certain way, we're more bodily. We can let go of the bodiliness of this world, as did the martyrs, as did those uh, brothers in the Maccabee story, because we hope to receive from God a bodiliness that's even more intense and more powerful. 
There's a movie called Black Robe. It was out several years ago. There's a scene in Black Robe that I, I really find comical. It's these Jesuit brothers from the 17th century, and they're in among the uh, Native Americans of Canada. And they're trying to explain the Christian faith. And according to the Native American mythology, heaven was a place of great sensual pleasure, where sex and sensual pleasure played a great role. And the, the Native American says to the Jesuit, now, as you look at heaven, does it have all of that in it? And the Jesuit says, oh, oh no, 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 there's none of that. We're simply looking at the face of God all day. And, and the Native American says, well, I, I don't want that. I'll stay with my mythology. I remember as I watched that scene, I thought, that was a very bad answer the Jesuit gave. In other words, he was implying that heaven is somehow less than the pleasures and intensity and intimacy available to us in this world. The point of Jesus' speech here, I think, is it's not less. It's more. It's more. Whatever intimacy and pleasure and intensity we can experience here with these very limited bodies, we will experience at the highest pitch and the highest degree in the bodiliness of heaven. Eschatological detachment. Yes, we can let go of this world, of this body, in the hopes of receiving an even greater and more intense communication in heaven. You know, I think all this becomes plain in a certain way in the resurrection stories. How does Jesus appear? It is very important in all those accounts that he appears in his body. His body is not left behind. Listen now, it's transfigured, yes, transformed. What does it allow him to do? It allows him to be present when he wants, where he wants, with a terrific freedom and a terrific intimacy. Heaven is not escaping from the body. It's receiving from God an even greater and richer body. In all the creeds we say we look for the resurrection of the dead. We expect the resurrection of the body. That means our capacity for love will be that much greater, that much richer. We don't run from the body, we don't cling to the body, but we wait in eschatological hope for a new one. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of the word on fire, Call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.